defenses. Initiate bank protocol. Yo, what's good, homies? Welcome to the first episode of Bird Protocol proper of the year 2023. Uh, I am your host, Palm Reader. I'm here with my co-host, Otis Morris. Otis, how are you doing today? Uh, today? Today I'm good. Uh, yeah. It's kind of funny. I'm I'm gonna start off just being uh real. Can I, can I have the floor for a second to be real? Yeah, I mean, so yeah, go for it. I don't know. This is unplanned, so please go ahead. Um, well, well, as you can tell, you know, we didn't have an episode last week, and the week before that, when we did part two of the uh, bird report, we were talking to the homie Wednesday, and I think a you know, a decent part of that conversation was just, you know, talking about where he's at, how is he's at mentally, emotionally, all that sort of stuff. Like I even asked him the question, like, yo, are you good? And the um, subtle sort of coincidence or irony or whatever you want to say it about that is uh, I myself was not good. I was very not good. Uh, very, uh shitty for the last uh sort of month and a bit and i think last week that came to uh you know the forefront to the point where i was just like exhausted and didn't want to do this podcast and didn't want to do an episode and you know kind of let things uh get to a certain point um so yeah i just wanted to be honest off the top and just let people know you know uh do check in on people it is necessary and you know sometimes you know sometimes shit's not good and you can't just keep going forward and just be like yeah man i'm good and just move along sometimes you just need to stop and be real for a minute and so this has been a moment of me being real for a minute Thank you for listening. Yes, and I think that it's actually important to remember that we are people on the on the other side of this. We have lives and challenges and, uh, you know, and things that we're going through. Um, both Otis and myself have gone through periods of really rough times in the past couple of years, especially in the last couple of months. So we both collectively decided to not do an episode last week. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I, we had a conversation about where, how we both feel about, you know, the kind of existential crisis that's going on in our generation, mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and how, you know, there are times where it's just like, there's nothing you can do, but go through it, uh, and be honest with yourself about it. So, you know, uh, we're back here. We're, we're in better spirits. Now we're going to talk about a TV show that is quietly, and we've we've talked about this TV show before in the mm -hmm. Bird Report for last year, but we felt like we should do a whole episode on it because, dang, man, this is probably one of the best TV shows that has been on TV in the past couple of years. I can't mm -hmm. wait for season two, which is coming this summer, apparently. Uh, and um, and it just it hits all the right notes. Uh, it's funny. It's emotional. It's um, uh, uh, it it. The pacing is excellent. The writing is excellent. The kind of realism in the way that they deal with the situations 
um, in the setting of the show uh, and just overall between the characters feels very real, feels very lived in. Uh, and it packs, like I said, quite an emotional wallop in the end. Uh, and all of this is tied together in a very short, um, breezy uh, uh, a season of only eight episodes. Um, yeah. It's very easy to digest. It's very enjoyable to watch. Otis, I think you watched it in like two days. Uh, yeah, two or three days, and over you know the course of yesterday and today, I got a chance to like watch like uh, like seventy five percent of it again. So yeah, it's a very easy watch. Like I, I was oddly having the thought today. I was like, you know what? This could have been a movie if you got it. Like you could get this whole thing down probably to like a two hour 15 minute movie you, you would have to cut a lot of things and a lot of good subplots that you know obviously make the show better and it works in the long form format which it's not really that long form like it is a lot mostly around 20 minutes per episode 20 to 30 minutes you know the last episode goes a little longer but yeah incredibly easy watch uh very bingeable um yeah, as you already said, like just it's just a great show on all fronts. The acting, the writing, the cinematography, as I'm sure we'll talk about, because there's one episode in particular where it's just crazy. Um, and as you said, yes, it feels very real and the world is very realized. Like there are many characters in this show where I'm like, I know this guy. I have met this person. I keep in contact with this person. And you know it's it it hit it hit the home um, and you know even though I don't know anything about really the world of you know kitchens and stuff that's you know but it, the themes of you know people you know there's a lot of themes people you know letting go of the past you know trying to better themselves and you know uh, you know trying to perfect their craft and stuff was something that you know hit me on multiple levels and to the point where at the end of the series i had an emotional reaction i sat there crying after the show ended which i don't i can't say i've ever had that reaction for a tv show ever movies i get that reaction all the time like i've been planning to go see the whale again just because you know i kind of want to just go and have a nice cry somewhere but did not expect that sort of emotional reaction from, you know, a show about beef sandwiches, you know? Yeah. And I, uh, I, I, and I had said when I suggested, obviously, if you didn't know, we're talking about FX's, uh, stellar dramedy, kitchen dramedy, uh, the bear. If you have yeah. not seen the bear, I cannot recommend it enough. Uh, it was on both of our top lists of the year. Um, and it, I when I told Otis about it, I said the last two or three episodes are some of the most riveting television I've seen, both in cinematography, in acting. I mean, the monologue in the last episode is probably I said, you know, Jeremy Allen White is is locked in now forever. Like yeah. he's he's that scene alone is going to put him in a list status in a year or yeah. two just watch like that scene alone was magnificent acting. 
Um, to the point where like, I was like, is this even acting or is he just actually feeling that deep of, of pain? And mm -hmm. I think maybe it's a bit of both, but it was just phenomenal stuff and the episodes leading up to it. Um, and the kind of the, the, the way that the script and the story allows for this kind of boiling over of emotion, this chaos that can't be tamed, uh, this, this bear, you might say, that has mm -hmm. been hibernating to wake up uh, and then face the reality of, of what happens when kind of the chaos boils over. Um, yeah. Just really, 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 really excellent writing. Um, yeah. The bear, it, it, it premiered on, on Hulu uh, earlier last year, June 23rd, 2022. It stars Jeremy Allen White, uh, Eben Moss Bachrock, uh, Ayo Adibri, yeah. Lionel Boyce, Lisa Colon Zayaz, Abby Elliott. Um, it also has Maddie Matheson, uh, Edwin Lee Gibson, uh, Oliver Platt as Jimmy Cicero, um, and a couple other people. Everybody in it. it's a rel yeah. relatively tight, small cast. Um, mm -hmm. I want to definitely shout out because you said, you know, you, you know, these people. Um, I went to Maddie Matheson's uh, bar and restaurant parts and labor in Toronto in like 2010. I've met him, shook his hand, sat and had a beer with him. So to see him and all of his, his, his successes with his cooking shows, his cookbooks, and now to be on the bear and to do a really good job on the bear, it's just really mm -hmm. cool to see. So I wanted to shout him out Toronto. Uh, I'm not sure if he's from Toronto, but he was, built a lot of his career in Toronto when I was in my early twenties uh, and he was a person about town and it was very, very cool. It has been very, very cool to see his meteoric rise. Uh, and now to see him in the show, it's just like, shout out that dude, man. Like, hell yeah. Uh, same with Lionel Boyce from, I don't know him personally, but from yeah. loiter squad and, and being part of the kind of odd future crew to giving a really, really kind of subtly emotional, and moving performance in this show. Mm -hmm. um, just excellent stuff. Everybody yeah. in this show is like excellent. Yeah. Jeremy Allen White, well-deserved Golden Globe. Like I said, masterwork acting, especially in the last few episodes. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What a show. Just excellent stuff. Excellent. Uh, yeah, no, excellent stuff as well. Like, yeah, so like... <sighs> Yeah, because you're right. Like Lionel's character, Marcus, uh, who's the, uh, I guess, the baker uh, dessert chef, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I don't know all the kitchen terms. So yes, he, he, was the, excuse he was the me. He was the bread baker for. Well, OK, let's set the stage first. So this right. this is a TV show follows um, a young chef, uh, Carmen Carmi Brizado, who's an award winning New York chef de cuisine and has worked in the best restaurants in the entire world. He was named in one of the cooking magazines as like one of the, the under 30 people to watch. He's one of the best in the trade for his age. He's won awards. He's done all this stuff. He returns home to Chicago to run his family's Italian beef sandwich uh, shop called the beef after his older brother, who is an addict um, killed himself. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, He's left behind debts. He's left behind a kitchen that kind of 
runs itself as this kind of clandestine haphazard like nightmare um yeah. and uh and a kitchen that's not kept up to date they're selling drugs out of the back of the kitchen to pay for the rent um you know uh, uh and the staff has no kind of trust they they like each other but there's not really any unity as like a cooking machine uh and it has yeah. caused their their family restaurant to uh fall in the ranks it's not considered uh what it once was and there's a lot of debts uh owed to um mm-hmm. i assume the mafia and other other yeah uh, but it's a beloved like staple of the chicago like downtown chicago area uh and you know it, it's a popular restaurant but it's clearly you know not what it used to be and you know, with the right guidance and, you know, some things put in place, it could easily be there. And it sets that up within the first two episodes. We are like, okay, yeah, this restaurant can be good. These people do know what they're doing. They're all highly talented people. They're just, you know, just misguided. And Carmi's here trying to bring his professional, highly, highly professional level of guidance to you know a restaurant that you know was run by for lack of a better term two fucking meatheads in richie and mikey so and uh (laughs) and and the and then furthermore during this show um on his on carmy's quest to kind of control this kitchen he brings in um sydney who's played by by uh ao adibri uh, who's a talented but inexperienced young chef who joins uh, and he places her in the role of sous chef. Um, and he is kind of mentoring her uh, while also forming this really symbiotic relationship um, where she understands a lot of the stuff that he has experienced and the flavors he understands and the kind of general knowledge he has of, of the wider world of food. Um, but that pits her against uh, Richard Ritchie. Uh, he he was the de facto manager of the restaurant and Michael's old best friend. He worked there. Um, he had taken over after uh, um, uh, uh, Mikey had killed himself. That's um, uh, Carmi's brother. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and then there was a a, a rest. Uh, 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 what do you what do you want to say? A crew of uh, other. Yeah workers there that they had no structure yeah an ensemble where they had no structure they had no you know they were doing it the 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 old way that where a lot was permitted because of uh of mikey's addiction and because of their kind of like uh lack of training lack of understanding of the way that it works and especially i like in this show how they do mention the pandemic and how mm-hmm. they explain that the pandemic is kind of what caused the the restaurant to buckle uh, and barely get by because that's a real true to life situation. Like how many restaurants, bars in mm-hmm. Waterloo alone did we lose, you know, yeah. that, that didn't make it through the pandemic because it was two years of really, really tough looks. Um for the people in the food industry and, and restaurants and restaurant owners and everything like that. I also want to shout out John Barenthal who plays Mikey in some flashbacks. Um, I just love to see John Barenthal. Um, 
And also, yeah, I mean, John Barenthal's as a human being is kind of a goof. Well, but I still like it's seeing a, him. I, yeah, I, I, I still mean, like him as an actor. I don't know. Um, he played the Punisher, and now he actually just thinks he's Frank Castle. <laughs> I don't know. He, he's a weird one. Um, I have no idea of, on of what which you're speaking of, so I can't. Oh, really dude, comment. you need to check out his podcast. It's like if you thought like the Joe Rogan like experience had too much testosterone, you gotta watch some uh, John Barenthal podcasting. Shit, shit's wild, brother. That's the thing. It's one of those guys that calls everyone brother. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he's just very brotherly, brother. All right. Um, I don't know. I this is this is a new revelation for me too about John Bernthal. It's like I thought he was cool as fuck, and then recently I was like, wait, what? He's he's kind of gone super bro mode, but I guess like I guess that makes sense. That is his essence is yeah it's kind of his essence i don't know i've i just like seeing him i don't know um there are some other cool guest stars uh joel McHale. uh he shows yeah. up as carmy's old executive chef in new york city who's very abusive dismissive uh kind of condescending uh just like a real smarmy asshole and uh and molly ringwald shows up as the meeting moderator of the uh alcoholics anonymous meetings that carmy attends to better understand his brother and his brother's addiction, um, which is a very uh, a recurring kind of theme where uh, his uh, sister would like him to go to the meetings um, and uh, and he refuses at first, but eventually he starts yeah. going and that culminates in the monologue that he gives at the Alcoholics Anonymous meeting in the last episode. Um, so yeah, he has to take over this 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 uh, restaurant filled with an unruly crew, crew of people that don't follow by work. Like they don't work his, his way. They don't follow his rules and he wants to turn it around. He wants to get it out of debt. He wants to bring it back to its former glory. Um, mm. And it's hard. It's a, it's a really tough experience for him, for the people who work there. And over time, they all learn to kind of work together and figure out a new system and I don't want to give away the ending completely because it's really good and it's really worth watching. But um, the way that it ends, I think, was uh, almost like a little bit... If it wasn't such a good show and it wasn't so well written, the ending would be, like, too silly. Like, the... the the um, Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. The... Uh, yeah, but we'll we'll get there eventually. Yeah. But um but yeah, so so most of the first half of this show is literally Jeremy Allen White trying to figure out how to deal with all of these people who mm-hmm. like don't give a shit about the rules, don't get, you know, he's trying to get them into shape, work together. He finally around halfway through the season, they introduce a French style of of running the kitchen where everybody has their uh their loca- their location and what they have to take care of and who they're reporting to. And then things start getting going well, but then they take a huge left turn. Um, and then that, that, that turn is what causes kind of the uh, crumbling of the, of the restaurant that leads to the um, kind of moments of clarity for many of the people that are involved. Um, I also want to shout out that, uh, that, that, that um, Richie uh Eben, I, I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, oh. the, he he is great. 
like Richie was incredible. Yeah. yeah, like I was like, this is this is somebody I know. Like, well, yeah, it is. It's literally just Phil and Steve put together in one person. That's literally who Richie is. Like he is multiple guys that I know from Cambridge, like who refuse to grow up, who refuse to acknowledge that they are of an older generation and that shit doesn't, you know, work their way anymore. Shit doesn't go, you know, how they want to. And like, like, I think that it's perfectly summed up in like the scene in the second episode where Richie and Sydney go to the department store. Richie refuses to ask anyone in the department store for any help. He ends up fucking getting the wrong shit. And, you know, in the middle of just talking shit about Carmi, he gets a phone call and he starts talking to his kid. And you realize, like, he's kind of like a deadbeat dad that, you know, obviously doesn't see his kid. Uh, He just kind of works and he's a dickhead to everybody. And he has this really emotional moment. And then immediately he just goes back to talking shit. And it's like, oh... You just talk shit because your fucking life sucks so badly. Like, you suck so, so badly. And at one point, like, that's one of the conversations that comes to a head in, one of, in like, the penultimate episode. Uh, and, you know, th- there's just so many people I know in my life that are just, like, you know, that's, that's the same revelation they kind of need to have, too. Like, I think everyone knows that guy that, like, you know, the dude that was fucking sick as fucking high school. But, like, you know, 10 years later, it's like, yeah, you got to fucking get get your shit together, dude. Like, this is obviously an older dude, older version of that. Because I assume Richie's, like, in his 40s now, still acting like a fucking goddamn fool. And you, you know, and I think it comes to head as well with, like, in a later episode with, like, you know... It's Chicago, so there's a mafia presence, and they just kind of like accept that, and they're just kind of like, yeah, it's just kind of there. And then you know, Sydney, being the younger person who's trying to get shit together, she's like, what the fuck? Like, we don't need this here. And you know, you just kind of see how you know one person who both people want to see this restaurant succeed, but one is just you know refusing to see that you know they're baggage is what is deliberately holding a place back like that and yeah you see that all the time in life and everywhere and i think this episode or this series perfectly nailed like that person like a person that is like a decent person but like just is a fucking dickhead and like if they just stop being a dickhead that shit would immediately like get better yeah, I think that that's one of the things that I, I mean, the writing is so good that you wind up kind of feeling for him, but also feeling like he's like, you know, you have that thing where it's like, oh, you realize early on that his outbursts and the way that he acts is him lashing out at his situation and yeah. his insecurities and his grief over the fact that his best friend killed himself. And his, and he won't let go of what it was to, to accept what it is or what it could be like to him. It's like, he can't change the way that they did things, uh, or isn't willing to be open to the way that changing the way that things are done because he feels like, you know, he remembers when it was all good 
you know, 20 years before when they were mm-hmm. rocking it, you know, like when that was like, everything was sick, but situations change, the world changes. And, uh, and you have to be willing to kind of like step back and look at that and accept that. Um, but for some people, it's a really hard process. And I think the writing in this show, especially, I think he's such a good example because, you know, he does love Carmi, but he is so yeah. resistant of him and jealous of him and outright refuses to accept any of his ideas for the first like two or three episodes. Like he's just, mm-hmm. he will not change. And then slowly over time, things start getting better and he starts realizing, wait, Sydney and Carmi might have something right, but he still digs his heels in like until yeah. like the third last episode or something. He's like, he, he is so stubborn. And even in the last episode, like, you know, when they're all arguing about what to do and everything like that, like it's, you can still see that he hasn't finished that metamorphosis. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it it will lead to some interesting situations and conflicts in the second season, because obviously they are, uh, well, I guess it's been out since June. I'm just going to spoil it. The show ends with them realizing after finding some money that Mikey had left behind uh, for them that, that Mikey's intention uh, uh, and also that um, sorry, Richie finally gives Mikey a letter that, that uh, or sorry, gives Carmi a letter from his brother, Mikey that he initially hid. He hi- he finds mm-hmm. the letter for, for Carmi uh, Richie does, and he hides it because he doesn't want closure. He doesn't, he doesn't want to go forward. Um, and it's a real dick move. But in the end, he finally does give it to him because he finds this kind of common ground with Carmi. And Carmi realizes that his brother doesn't want him to keep the beef. He wants him to make it his own. And that was what the money was left behind for. And that that that's when you realize the name of the episode um, is a triple entendre. It's like an allegory, like it, the, the name of the series is, is so many different uh, things at once, but it's also the name that Carmi decides he wants to name his new restaurant, the bear and, and beautiful poetic stuff. Like that's, this is like, this is like real, like English lit stuff. Like this is banging. Like it makes my yeah. academic brain go, yes, give me more. Like it's so good. And, and, um, yeah, I just, this, this show to me was like, it was like lightning in a bottle. I, I will be interested to see if they can keep it up for season two. Um, but this first season was like crack, man. Like I finished it the same in like two, three days. I was like, this is excellent. Um, yeah, like, yeah, like the, uh, the, the name of the show itself is fantastic because, you know, let's, break it down so carmen's last name is brazado they're italian so people call him bear as you know it's 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 a name of like affection that his uncle uses uh for him so i'm sure it's probably something like his father probably called him bear uh you know it's a short name for his last name and you know it's also kind of represents you know his inner anger his temper you know what you see in that fantastic seventh episode where everything boils over and 
he unleashes the bear. And that's the first time they act the series actually has a title sequence, which in is the first so sick. six episodes. There's no title sequence. It's just somewhere in the middle of the end credits. But at that end of the seventh episode, after Carmi blows the fuck up, yells at like half the kitchen and like fucking, you know, everyone just basically says, fuck him. That's when it shows the title sequence says the bear. And you're like, oh, fuck. This whole at that point, three hours has just been built up to this moment. And that's all it is. It's sick. It was one of the best things ever. And then, you know, obviously at the end, they name the new restaurant, The Bear. So just that, yeah, just, you know, how we said it was like triple, quadruple entendre is just fantastic. And how they worked around that is great. And I love that's the thing that's so good about this series is how it builds things. Like, as you were saying, you know, uh, Richie, he doesn't sort of have that realization until you know later much later on much later than anyone else but like you see it episode by episode where everyone sort of accepts the changes you know first you know carmi just starts with him just calling people chef you know just establishing that they're on the same plane yes chef yes chef you know you know people speaking with respect respecting everybody and then you know sydney comes in she immediately adopts that you kind of, and then you kind of have that one moment where you know he tells uh, Marcus Lionel Boyce's character, who has one of my favorite arcs in this entire series. You know, he just tells him about the bread. He's like, the bread's too flaky. He tells him to add some moisture to it so that it steams properly. And you see that moment where Marcus is like, "Fuck, this dude knows." Like this dude knows. He sees like his notebooks, and he's like, "Shit." And from that moment forward. Marcus starts taking his baking to never next level. He, yeah. he just consistently levels up throughout the series. And then you have the moment, even with Tina, where she, you know, she's the uh, the older woman who is obviously, you know, very stubborn, very set in her ways, very good, but, you know, is re- refusing to adjust. And, you know, she has the one, ep- there's the one episode where, you know, Sydney's like, on her ass about stuff and you know tina is getting stressed out she's like fuck this like fuck this like why is a 20 year old telling me what to do fuck it and then she eventually like gives her sydney the potatoes to try it and she's expecting sydney to be like this is shit and then sydney's like no that's great fantastic chef thank you and then tina's like wait what like yeah. she's like flabbergasted she's like oh like you're you're not a dickhead you're just you're just they're just trying know, to you're get trying the, to bring the yeah, best out of me. They're trying <laughs> to get the system to work. And I think the one yeah. thing that the show does well too is that it shows kind of like that none of these things like even after like the thing with um Marcus with Lionel's character is yeah. that he realizes that Carmi is really on it, takes mm-hmm. his advice, brings out the bread that he made and Carmi goes this is banging, excellent. He's like mm-hmm. Perfect. Then he says, do you mind if I try some pastries? Because I've always been interested in it. And, and Carmi goes, go for it. So long as the bread is done, yeah, all yours. And then Carmi tries the pastry and goes, damn, this is banging. And he's supporting him and telling him to keep, keep doing it, which leads to Lionel overdoing it. 
And that's part of the explosion that happens where Carmi's like, why are you working on these goddamn cakes? We have other things we need to do. Why are you not listening to me? And Lionel's like, I want to make it perfect. I want to do this. And it's this realization that like, this is such a real situation where someone has found their passion and, and he's Mm -hmm. driven by his passion so much so that he kind of forgets his responsibility and his place. Mm-hmm. And he's being kind of, you know, Carmi's trying to be supportive, but he's also trying to be firm and trying to say, you know, you can do what you want when you have the, you know, of course they add some of his pastries to the shop front and the the restaurant front and things. And so he's making them for the the store, but he's, um, you know, he, he kind of gets lost in the, uh, Marcus gets kind of lost in the sauce. Yeah. And I don't think that he would have caught a stray if, Carmi hadn't exploded about the online ordering. Yeah. Um, uh, but he did. That was like the final straw. And then he loses it. And mm-hmm. uh, and then everybody, the bear is loose. Everybody is uh, a target. If Everyone's not, on site. Yeah, it's yeah. on site. <laughs> like it's, you know, and I think that they, they uh, the, another thing that these kind of the, the reality in the writing where it like, People are hot and cold. People are resistant to change. People don't understand the system. All of these things lead to this weird relationship where they like respect him and he's Mikey's brother, but they also don't like change. And they also are seeing progress, but it's small. And sometimes they screw up and there's still some squabbles and people aren't, they don't get it right away. It takes a couple episodes and it allows this kind of like, it's almost just the mm-hmm. writing, like the humanism in the writing, the way that they treat the characters in this is like incredible. It, it, there's no, the arcs are all there, but they're subtle and they're woven into one another and they're reliant and there's cause and cause and effect between the different characters that act as foils to one another. And, and then it, you know, it all obviously overflows. The bear comes out and then, they hate him, but they're scared of him, but they also respect him. Like there's, it's, it's just, it's so good. Like I can't recommend this show enough when I, I, right after I watched it, I was like, Otis, you have to watch this. Like, it's so good. I told my mom, mom, you have to watch this. It's so good. Even if you don't like cooking, even if you don't care about it, it's about the people. And, um, of course it's about cooking. Of course it's about the restaurant, but it's really about the people and it's mm-hmm. really honest in its portrayal of the people, I think. Yeah. And, you know, that obviously is, you know, just a testament of the writing because the characters, you know, they develop like real people. And more importantly, they talk like real people. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. none of the show, none of the dialogue feels overwritten. Like, you know, the, <laughs> Richie talks kind of like, you know, uh, you know, a dude in his 40s that probably listened to Eminem so much like 20 years ago. Eminem was definitely this dude shit like forever. Okay. So he talks like, you know, you're you're picturing this dude in your head. I know you are. Okay. You know, Sydney, she talks exactly how you expect of like a mid-20s like millennial to be talking. Like she's like, Yeah, that shit's fire, that shit slaps, blah, 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 blah. But it's not, it's not corny though. It's like no, this is they this the writers uh Christopher Storr, the showrunner, creator, director, writer, he deliberately like, you know, figured out how to get it 
right. And it's like, because you see a clash of cultures, okay? You have some people that speaking English, some people speaking Spanish. You also have, you know, there's generational cultures. So, you know, obviously Richie wouldn't be talking the same way as like Sydney would or as Marcus would, but, you know, uh, like, you know, Carmi is sort of going to be like the middle ground. And, you know, just, just like the dialogue was really great. Like even like, Maddie Matheson's character and like the way how he like kind of like talks like he's like a handy guy so like even the way he's sort of like just talking about like you know mundane handy guy shit it's like yeah I could see how you know he's kind of a goofy guy they're just kind of like talking about which is hilarious because he's the only person on the show that's like an actual chef yeah that's the thing that I find the funniest is that he's trying to get a job there and they keep being like eh maybe (laughs) <laughs> you know, and he's like in real life, a has a cooking show, has multiple restaurants, mm. has a cookbook. Sorry, I just find the irony of it so funny. Yeah, um, no, that's that's fantastic. Like inside baseball, like comedy right there. Like if you know, like I knew who Maddie Mastin was the whole time. So whatever, they're just like, no, you're underqualified to work in a kitchen. I'm like, that's hilarious. Because, yeah, as you said, he's obviously the most overqualified person to be there. And then like, you know. Things like um, even uh, Joel McHale as the executive chef at the really fancy restaurant that Carmi used to work at, like the way he precisely like just like talks shit. Like he just says like the most like scathing shit you could possibly say to a human being. But like it's just like and how direct he is about it. It's like, yes, this is like a... It just, I don't know, it all just, like, the the way the characters speak, to it, it just felt so real to me. And the way that, you know, conversations would get incredibly tense, and then a character would, like, you know, try to cut the tension by making, like, a joke. Like, the part where, uh, you know, Sydney's explaining what's going wrong, and then Carmi's like, hey, I'm going to be, like, 100 with you, like, I went to a, an AA meeting today. And then she's like, that's, like, too... Like, that's too much. Like, I think you're whatever. And he's like, oh, shit. Oh, sorry. And she's like, obviously fucking with him. I was like, oh, that's like a good moment. Like, that's a yeah. real moment that you would have. Like, you know, if you. And it's not, it's not played up. Like, the thing is that everything is so kind of. I don't want to say that it's not because there are bombastic parts. Like, there's a lot of sub subplots in the show, mm-hmm. like the stuff about the, the health inspector finding the cigarettes and then they turn out to be mm-hmm. Carmies. Uh, mm-hmm. And then everybody being mad about that or the, the having the, the um, tournament on the arcade game. So all the like yeah. cosplaying nerds come and then they're, yeah. <laughs> and they're like trying to beat up the one guy. Like there's stuff that's like, that's like funny and over the top or when they have the, the, yeah. the, the bachelor party and then dudes start like fighting each other and stuff. Like there's like moments mm-hmm. that are like bombastic, but the, the thing that really makes this and they're funny, like there is comedy in the show. It's, it's very funny, but the moments that make it more transcendent are how well they deal with these little interactions that are, Mm -hmm. are sweetly funny that are realistic. It's like you said, it's, it's not over the top. It's not like, she's like, Oh, you know, I'm screwing with you. She just smiles at him and, and he's like, Oh, you're, you're messing with me. Right. Yeah. And then she's like, of course, or something or whatever she says. And he's like, 
like he just kind of smiles and leans back and it's like it's mm-hmm. this very sweet human interaction that could mm-hmm. happen you know like it's not yeah. like it's it doesn't feel forced or directed yeah. or anything it's just really honest i don't know it's so good um like one of my favorite like examples of just like subtle like soup like incredible realistic interaction is when the health inspector's there like first shows up and then richie you know he's trying to like big dog her and like you know like not let her do her job essentially and then at one point he's like yeah i'm gonna have to see some identification and then she shows it to him and he's like that's interesting and then carmy's like how's that interesting and he's like what the fuck are you talking about he's like i just said it's like interesting and just like the way he nails like a dude just like refusing to accept he's wrong he's just like like, cause he's still going to be like, yeah, like what the fuck she's going to find here. And then like, obviously, you know, there's multiple issues like going on or like, you know, wh- when the part, when she finds the cigarettes and then Carmen is like, you motherfucker. And then, uh, he's like, you motherfucker. And he's like, you don't have to fucking repeat like what I said. Like, what the fuck? Fuck you. And it's, 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 it's so good. It's, it's, it's honestly like a lot. I, I don't want to say it's subtlety. It's like, it, it, it's not nuance but there's just something about the writing about the way that it's acted the way that it's directed that just it feels like this could actually happen you know like a lot Mm -hmm. of it it feels like now of course this is a tv show so things are kind of exaggerated here and there and of course you know the ending which is that the mikey has left all of this money stored into soup cans for Carmi mm. to find because he wants Carmi to build his own restaurant is almost too over the top, but somehow it works mm-hmm. like somehow it, 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 because it almost feels like all of the cast is just as surprised at how ridiculous, like mm. when they're digging through the cans and throwing them on the ground and they're just like, Oh my God, another one. Like what the fuck is going on? And you're like, I feel the same way. Like this is this is this this is crazy. But they yeah. all feel the same at the, at the same kind of feeling and so there's this immediacy or this like kind of connection that you have in that moment and all of a sudden because it's done so well, you're not thinking nobody opened up one of the spaghetti packages, you know? Yeah. Like nobody wanted to put, opened up one of the spaghetti red sauce packages. And, well, um, that's why you, then you realize that's like one of the first things of the series yeah, is that yeah. Carmi is like, why the fuck are we doing spaghetti? Like, this makes no sense. We're a sandwich shop. And then he takes spaghetti off the menu. Yeah. And again, incredible writing. A lot of the stuff from the yeah. first episode that, that it gets paid off in the last episode. And I love that. I love mm-hmm. when a TV show sets things up and then answers them. Because you can yeah. have like, I hate. TV shows, like one of the one of my pet peeves, even though I love the first three seasons of this TV show, the after that, not so much, but Lost, they just kept like making things up and not explaining it. And then they waited till seven or eight episodes later and they're like, uh, it was the ghost of a guy who's God. And it's like, yeah, man, like you could have answered a lot of those questions and still left some things open like they do in this show. But the main, mm-hmm. main things that are kind of foreshadowed in the first episode or are 
the are are mentioned or begin in the first episode come to yeah. a close in the last episode and there's still plenty of stuff to explore because they're making mm-hmm. a brand new restaurant yeah i mean that's that's so great i guess yeah it is like the subtleties of the show and like you know that's just good writing of like they're so they, they set up relationships and they don't necessarily explain it right away like there's so many times like i think it's like the first time carmy calls sugar you don't know she's his sister she could be an ex-lover so like and but they sets up like okay so there's this guy that sh- this girl's with here so are they they're married so you're like you don't really understand the relationship but you know if you just watch the show and let it plays out you're like oh, okay no that's his sister okay no yeah. one likes her husband okay that's funny that's hilarious then um things for example richie and carmy call each other cousin all the time and then eventually it's revealed they're not even cousins that's just a term of endearment they use or then uh what's his face cicero comes in you're like okay so there's this mobster guy that mikey was getting money from then eventually you find out it's like oh that's their fucking uncle like you know it just it, it it sometimes you know, TV shows do that where it has to explain like, oh, I was just on the phone with my uncle, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay. Or you could just, you know, show their conversation. Because, you know, if I saw my uncle, I'm not going to go up to him and be like, hey, Uncle Mark. I'm, I'm just like, oh, hey, Mark, what's up? Like, yeah. how, and then, you know, everyone around me would just be like, okay, he knows Mark. And then afterwards, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that was my uncle or something shit. So, you know, it's very realistic and how that, like, how it sets up things, you know, nothing, it doesn't introduce a character and you're just like, oh, well, who the fuck, you know, within two episodes, you're going to understand their whole relationship and why, you know, parts of it were left, you know, how they are, you know, sort of yeah, thing. And, so, and also you're going to see like the one thing that it does is it sets up the kind of ways the characters are foils to each other, or com- conflict with each other very early, mm-hmm. but they're mm-hmm. complex because of the relationships. I mean, just even Richie and Carmi, like, like I said earlier, Richie loves Carmi. They call, call each other cousin. They're, they grew up together. They've known each other for years. Richie was Mikey's best friend. And mm-hmm. so, and, and Carmi was his brother. And so now Carmi has this position of power over, over Richie and it's causing all of these problems. And you know exactly why, you yeah. know, you're like, you're like, I understand this dynamic and what's happening here and what needs to change. And the satisfaction is seeing it play out. But it plays out, as I said, in a realistic way. It's not like all of a sudden they have a heart to heart and things are working. You know, Mm -hmm. the change happens gradually through the season, which is another thing that's really great is that, you know, a lot of TV shows, it's like we're going to have a moment where these characters talk it out and then afterwards everything is fine. That doesn't Mm -hmm. really happen in real life. You know, no, you, you do have instances where you sit down and talk to your friends about things that are going on and or some irritation you have or whatever but it you know usually it's not like you have that conversation and it immediately gets fixed and if it does it's because we have a long relationship together we don't have a long relationship with these characters and carmy's been away carmy's not being around so there's no way that they could just sit down and be like hey let's work this out like they hung out every day for 7 years 
right? Carmi's yeah. been off doing his own thing. So it wouldn't make sense for them to just sit down and hash out their problems in one go when their problems are bigger than just that. I mean, Richie takes the letter that Carmi's brother left for him and hides it. Like yeah. it's, it's, you know, <laughs> it's, it's so, I guess I should, I should rewind. There are plenty of instances where friends sit down and have a conversation and hash things out, but those friends know each other intimately and have had a long relationship, probably close to each other. Right. Like if you have an, you, and, and afterwards there can still be some weirdness and things that need to be talked about and whatever, but in the state of writing for TV, I always find that kind of like a cop out. It's not a deus ex machina, but it's like, you know, we're just going to solve this problem in a way that's like overly dramatic and overly, yeah. you know, whereas in real life, if you're really trying to replicate kind of like a replicate reality, it's a lot messier. It's a lot more complicated. There's a lot more mm -hmm. bumps in the road, which this show does really well. Even Maddie Matheson's character, like by the end, he does have a job there, but he has to, he gets shit on by everybody pretty much yeah. for, for uh, most of the season uh, because they don't, you know, they, they're like, this is, this is the kind of goofball idiot that works on our arcade machine. Why would we have him work here? But through this series or through this season, there are times where he's able to step up and show him, show him his, his, um, uh, his necessity, what he can do mm -hmm. for the, for the restaurant. And, and, but it takes time. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about this show is that it really takes its time even though it's so short it with all of these arcs and these conflicts and everything it doesn't solve them one by one every episode like it takes the whole series to get to the end of it and, and see the change instead of it being like you know this episode these two people are gonna have a heart to heart and this episode these two people are gonna have a heart to heart which does happen but it's more realistic there's not like an immediate healing you know what i mean mm-hmm um, the other thing I wanted to point out about this show, which is, is great. And I don't know if you knew this, you might, but this show was, uh, one of the producers is Hiru Murai who worked on, um, uh, who's a music video director and filmmaker who worked on, um, uh, and he did stuff with, uh, uh yeah, so he's Atlanta. He, he was a writer, director and producer or director, producer and executive producer on Atlanta. He was a director on Legion. He was a director on Snowfall. He's been a director multiple times on Barry. Um, Hell yeah. And he was a director on Station Eleven. He's a producer, executive producer here on The Bear. But he did some of some videos that are incredible. He did Hive, Earl Sweatshirt. He did Chum, Earl Sweatshirt. He did uh, uh, 3005, Childish Gambino, Smooth Sailing, Queens of the Stone Age, Sweatpants, Childish Gambino. Um, did work with Flying Lotus. Uh, um, oh, he did the This Is America music yeah, video. Yeah, he no did wild. some Death Cab for Cutie. He worked on Death Cab for Cutie videos. He worked on, um, uh, he did the video for Airplanes, B.O.B. featuring Haley Williams. Damn. <laughs> yeah, so he's he's been out here working. And, and, and I mean, if you've seen Atlanta, you can kind of see the, um, his influence, his kind of like, visual influence on the bear mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah. And, uh, and uh, uh, so it, I just thought it was really cool. It was a kind of connective tissue to another FX show that's really uh, been, you know, pushing the envelope in a more bizarro, surrealist way. But, yeah. um, and I love Atlanta. Um, yeah. And, and I mean... It, those like there's like a new sort of like nice uh i guess i don't know the comedy series are now like they're not being like pigeonholed by the old sort of like sitcom tropes and that's like a thing that apparently people have a problem with the bear is that they're like oh it's called a comedy but like it's not like big laugh out loud funny and it's like well firstly two things one categories of television are based on length so a half hour scripted show is considered a comedy and an hour long scripted show is considered a drama it is based on length it has nothing to do with the actual content really um, cause yeah, I guess you could say the bear, you know, it's a comedy drama at times it, this show is funnier than any fucking sitcom. It is hilarious because, you know, but you know, it doesn't have a laugh track. So people don't like realize they're like, Oh, what am I watching? Is this a comedy? Like Atlanta <laughs> also a co- great comedy drama, you know, also, you know, goes very surreal at times and people are like, this isn't a comedy. It's like, well, it is, it's actually you know, it's very, it's very funny, actually, if you're not an idiot or something <laughs> like Barry. People are like, this is so dark. And it's like, yeah, this is dark comedy. You know, there are so many different types of comedy. OK, it's not all just set up punchline, set up punchline. OK, you know, it's not, like but that's what we're in a generation of people that think the gold standard of television is the fucking office. And guess what? It, you know. Things are different, and I'm sorry that your perspective of what a com- television comedy is has been greatly skewed. Because, yeah, because you've watched The Office 500 times. Yeah, but um, FX is doing great shit. Like, The Bear is hilarious. Atlanta is hilarious. Fargo is steadily, like, that's more that's a drama, but is hilarious as well. One of the funniest shows ever for, you know, very dark reasons. Um their show Baskets was hilarious. Zachary Galifianakis as a fucking clown. Hilarious. Uh, what's the other one? Better Things, the Pamela Adlon show. FX has such good... Oh, fucking It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. The greatest comedy on television. The only good sitcom worth watching is FX. So FX is just absolutely killing it and has been killing it. And... I just so just I wanted to just shout out FX and I just wanted to tell people that you know some of you are dumb and <laughs> some of you I think, need I think a laugh what, track in I, life. I think what Otis and is saying is that there's more more out there than just the office in Brooklyn Nine Nine um, yeah. or rewatching Friends, uh, which is aged really bad. Um, but anyway, that, yeah, not, it's a not, bad show. Enough about that. Well, yeah, I can. There's some I can understand some redeeming qualities of it, but when, especially once it gets later into the show, it's uh yeah tough tough hang. Um, anyway, well I should say uh, more about a little bit more about the bear. Um, as we said, uh, it um, 
was nominated at the 80th Golden Globe Awards, uh, uh, received uh, two nominations, Best Television Series Musical Comedy and Best Actor in Television Series Musical Comedy for White. Uh, it did not win the Best Television Series, but it did win a uh, White. White did win uh, for the Best Actor in a Television Series. Um, and uh, very good for him. At the Critics' Choice Television Awards, it got three nominations, Best Comedy Series, Best Actor in a Comedy Series for White, and uh, Best Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series for Adibri, with White winning again. Um, White uh, received another nomination at the 29th Screen Actors Guild, um, and uh, the ensemble cast was nominated uh, for the Outstanding Performance by an Ensemble in a Comedy Series. Uh, aside from that, this was... Uh, Probably one of these is the second most watched program across all platforms uh, during the week of July 13th. Uh, it was the most watched program during the week of July 22nd. Uh, it uh, uh, was the second most streamed television series across all platforms in the United States um, throughout other weeks in July. Um, it is the most watched comedy series in the network history of FX. Um, it is a certified fresh approval rating of a hundred percent on uh, rotten tomatoes, the rare 100 percenter, uh, average rating of 8.6 based on 67 critic reviews. They say, uh, the consensus reads like an expertly confected sandwich. The bear assembles a perfect melange of ingredients and stacks them for optimal satisfaction and thankfully keeps the crustiness for extra flavor. Uh, Metacritic gave it an 88. American Film Institute named it one of the top 10 best television programs of the year. It was uh, number one on multiple critics' top 10 lists. Also number two, three, four, five, six, nine, and 10. Um, but uh, mostly ones, twos, and threes. Um, it, it, was, it has steadily grown, too, uh, over time. More and more people are watching it. I suspect with the Golden Globe win, a lot of other people will be uh, circling back around to uh, revisit it or to watch it again for the first time. Um, and uh, and as they should, because it's so good. Uh, season two is reportedly coming in the summer of this year. Uh, and uh, um, it's uh, it will be... Very interesting to see where they go. Now, I do want to talk here. I just wanted to get all of that out of the way. I want to talk about the last two episodes because I know you want to yeah. get into the nitty gritty of it here. Um, mm -hmm. I, you don't have to. You can I take, do. You can take our word for it that, the, that this show is great. You can take the critics' words for it that this show is great, the people's words for it that the show is great. 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, kind of rare. Uh, and uh, And everybody seems to really think this bangs. Um, but I urge you to watch it for yourself, uh, and if, and, and, uh, enjoy it for what it is, try not to go in with too much, too many high expectations and, uh, and you will be blown away by how good it was. That's the way I watched it. I know it's hard cause we're sitting here praising it going, this is the greatest shit I've ever seen, mm -hmm. but you know, uh, uh, it is, uh, an excellent watch and I definitely recommend people check it out, but let's get into the last two episodes. Yeah, so uh, episode seven, uh, what do they call that episode? I believe it's called Review. So, you know, this comes at a sort of a big moment. Like after the first six episodes, you know, 
they've sort everyone has sort of you know dealt with their issues more or less like you know and you know at the beginning of episode seven all everyone at the beef is probably at their most cohesive that they have been in the whole series you know they're working like a kitchen people know their positions they do them really well everything is going very smooth you know especially you know because in the previous episode you had you know richie and carmy finally came together after you know the very unfortunate uh fight that they got in and uh you know and you know richie sort of accepted you know he's got to let go of the past and sort of stuff so you know people did some growing up so now we come to this episode and uh this episode starts off hot okay so like any other typical um TV episode, you get your establishing shots, you have some nice, beautiful landscapes of Chicago. Carmi comes to the restaurant, and then you are locked into probably one of the best single takes in television history. The whole episode give for the, you know, sort of expository shots at the beginning. It's a give or take 16, 17 minute single take. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know the exact timing of it, but. You're basically going, th- living within this kitchen, within this restaurant for 15 minutes, and you are seeing how fucking stressful shit is in a kitchen. And, you know, everything is amped up to 10 right now. Like, everything, you know, Murphy's Law is in effect. Anything I can will go wrong, and it is. They're getting too many orders because... Sydney forgot to turn off the pre-order option on their online store. You know, it's like hundreds it. of orders. It's like yeah, hundreds, shooting, hundreds, like shooting out of the machine. Like it's so yeah, crazy. yeah, it's literally crazy. Um, you know, Marcus is behind on his fucking cakes because he's been too busy with his fucking uh, donuts. Uh, you know, everything's just boiling over, and you know, there's so many different conflicts, and the way. This it per it goes like you'll be in a conversation. Say it's Richie and Carmi. They're arguing about something as they do. The camera will just slowly move along. Then you'll see like Tina or Ibrahim, and they're doing their own shit. They're trying to get along, you know. Then you got Sydney. She's doing her own shit, and just the way the camera flows back and forth, how it moves from the back of the kitchen into the storefront. You see different like conflicts, like all the conflicts that have been building up are now at their most heated point, and you're seeing everyone like sit when Sydney fucking grills absolutely grills Richie for just being like an out of touch piece of shit. Like you feel it. And then you watch her then have to go back into the kitchen with like that, like on you, like, you know, like that's where you're at. You're yelling at the people you work with, but then you have to go right back into working with them. Everyone's just fucking insane. Like it is truly, truly and I'm sure that that episode will win an Emmy specifically just for that because it is the tr- like yeah it captures it, it, it captured at- it captured the kind of chaos mm-hmm. and the fluidity and the like just absolute nightmare that it was in a very like yeah. poetic almost poetic way like moving between mm-hmm. the conversations moving between the rooms and then you know. Having the the the, the Richie and 
and Sydney fight, and then Richie, or and then Sydney accidentally stabbing him in the ass, mm-hmm. like five minutes later, and it's like this oh. place is going down. Like, and then as Richie's getting his ass checked out, you get some of the best character development out of nowhere. Out of fucking nowhere is when Richie, while you know it. Ibrahim, Ibrahim, I, I think that's his name. The yeah, yeah, yeah. the one guy, he, he's like looking at his ass, making sure, you know, he's, I guess, you know, probably putting alcohol, you know, trying to, you know, just make sure it's not infecting shit. He s- starts soothing Richie by telling him a war story. And it's just like, wait, what? I thought we were, <laughs> I thought we were done developing characters. You're just going to now lay this shit on me. And like, cause it's been subtly hinted that like, you know, that this guy was a former soldier and stuff kind of like when I'm uh, like, there's a funny joke in like the second or third episode when Sydney's like, okay, we're going to do a French brigade. And then he's like, I've been in a brigade. Lots of people died. And you're like, okay, that's kind of a joke out of nowhere. But then, you know, what is it? Four episodes later, they suddenly just have this 30 second part that then explains everything about this character. And then again, the episode just relaunches right back into the madness because it just goes back into the kitchen. Everyone's fucking on fire. It's yeah. crazy. And I think the one thing that's great about this is that, like I was saying, that all of these kind of arcs that the character have characters have mm-hmm. are not like, it's not like a direct, like going from one version of themselves to another. It's not, there's yeah. no like magic moments. Like it happens over small moments over time. So like the issues that, are brought up between Carmi and Sydney, Sydney wanting to be paid properly as a sous chef, wanting to have more control in the restaurant when Carmi doesn't even have control of the restaurant. Mm-hmm. That friction that builds up, the episode starts with a uh, review starts with a review that was given a good review that was given to the restaurant in the paper, which is why they have so many orders. And the mm-hmm. reason for that that review is that Sydney developed a risotto that she wanted Carmi to place on the menu and he keeps rejecting it saying, you know, it's not what it's not there yet. It's not, we're not there yet. Like let's focus on what's in front of us. Mm -hmm. But Sydney has so many lofty goals and wants to have so much control that she keeps pushing it. And when Carmi flat out rejects it, she just gives it to somebody who's in the, in this, in the restaurant. And that mm-hmm. person happens to be a food reviewer. Mm-hmm. And so he writes about all this stuff and he writes about how amazing the risotto is, which causes this tension to boil over even further yeah. because Carmi's like, why won't anybody, even the people I'm supposed to trust here aren't listening yeah. to me. And yeah, so because he spent the whole previous episode telling her, it's like, you are persistent to a fault. It is you cannot take no for an answer. And while that's like a good trait to have, you know, you're, it makes you work harder. You are not doing what you're supposed to do. You are mm-hmm. so focused on this fucking risotto that's not even on the menu. Like, yeah. we make beef sandwiches, okay? And then, you know, she's so focused on that. She fucks up the ordering system. You know, she's just so clouded by trying to, you know, do her own shit and just constantly want, like, up her game 
that she, she then starts, you know, slacking in areas where she shouldn't be slacking because yeah, she's a very same, talented chef. And it's the same know? with it's the same with uh, with Marcus's character. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. why in the final episode, you have that scene between the two of them talking about what happened and Marcus being like, you know, I don't really I'm not really mad at him for it. Like, I get it. And her she doesn't get it right away. She's yeah. like, I don't understand. You know, he can't do that to me. I forget exactly what she says, but they're talking back and forth. And she's like, you're really going to go back? And he's like, yeah. And she just didn't, she doesn't understand until she finally returns. And then they have that reunification at the end and then they find the money and everything. Well, she rec- re- she comes back while they're um, pulling the money out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then there's the kind of reunification. And that last episode... Um, you know, in the episode of review, you know, you see, uh, and, and after Sydney accidentally stabs Richie, she's like, I can't do this anymore. This place is whatever. And, 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 um, Carmi's yelling at everybody and tells Marcus to leave. And he's like, you know, if you're not going to do your fucking job, just go. And, and Sydney's like, I don't want to work here. I don't want to work under somebody who's so mentally unwell and so she leaves and you can see that that Carmi is like throughout the season he has problems sleeping he has dreams of setting his house on fire when it turns out he's actually sleepwalking and nearly turns, sets his house on fire the show starts yeah. with him having a dream about a bear in a cage and the cage opens as he gets close to it you can tell that he's he's grieving he's dealing with his and i mean yeah. this is why Jeremy Allen White won the 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 golden globe mm-hmm. like he he is going through it. He's going through a major upheaval in his career. He's going mm-hmm. through a major personal uh, situation. He's trying to control these people and get this, re- return this store or this restaurant to its former glory. He's trying to get rid of the debt. He's trying to control this completely chaotic situation that he can't really. And mm-hmm. then that's the episode review is where he just kind of loses it. And immediately we start, the last episode with his Al-Anon meeting and that monologue. And you're like, holy shit, this guy is, isn't an ass. Like even through the whole thing, you kind of, you feel for him, but he's Mm -hmm. very brash, very to the point, very, you know, um, seems like he's cold to a lot of the other people acts like a bit of an asshole some of the times. And, and slowly over the season, you see a little bit of that kind of, the goodness in him and you see that he's just trying to help but it's still like these people aren't on the same page and then in the final episode where he does the Al- the Al-Anon meeting and he has his he talks about his brother it's like you're like damn this guy was in pain like mm-hmm. this guy doesn't understand this guy is had had everything came back and has to deal with all of this and he's just like on the ledge like he's, you know, he's hurting and it's so moving and so like unbelievable. Um, and then, you know, then you have the bachelor party in the last episode, Richie is arrested. Uh, um, the, the Marcus returns to work and Carmi apologizes to him. Carmi being completely out of his mind, accidentally starts a stove fire and uh, he stares at it and he kind of has this like revelatory moment where he's like, 
this could all burn down, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, and that's when the letter that was taken away from Richie, Richie gives Carmi the letter and that, uh, that includes the spaghetti recipe and notes to use the smaller cans of tomatoes because they taste better. And that's when they open the cans and finds balled up, like wadded up hundred dollar bills and they close the restaurant for the day. And, uh, um, and Carmi apologizes to Sydney over texts and suggests improvements to her risotto, which causes her to come back. And they all sit and kind of commiserate. And Carmi decides to announce the closure of the beef. Then they have a final dinner together. And, uh, and, and there's a sign saying the new restaurant, the bear will open soon. And just the last two episodes, the kind of arc that they are, the kind of story, uh, what do you want to say? The kind of conclusion, the crescendo Mm -hmm. of this whole series is just masterfully done. Everything that was brought up earlier, all of these, these conflicts, all of these, these kind of uh, subtextual feelings, these sub, you know, the characters, all the things that they're dealing with, they all come together in such a way that it's, it's like, especially in that long shot in Mm -hmm. the review, like it's just, incredible it it just works so well like if this Mm -hmm. show wasn't so damn good them having the like i said before the bills and the spaghetti sauce you would roll your eyes at but then they find the bills and they're all sitting together and they can't believe how much it is and they're almost like crying because they're like we're going to be able to save this place like we're going to be able to get rid of so much of our stressors and you know Carmi has the emotional moment reading, like getting the the letter and he's pacing back yeah. and forth and smoking. And he's like, Oh my God, like, is this like a suicide letter? And like all of this stuff comes together in such a way, but it's, it's like beautiful and cathartic. <laughs> like afterwards yeah. I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> you know, um, it's it, th- that last episode is like a punch in the gut emotionally. Yeah. Um, I mean, the show, the whole show is such so high tension, so high strung that like, you know, finally having some sort of like clear happiness at the end. It's really it's rewarding. And that's the thing, you know, if it if it was a show like we said, if it if the show didn't have this great character development, didn't have this great dialogue and, you know, didn't have characters that are constantly, you know, going sort of like, you know, two steps forward, one step back. You know, there's constantly, you know, shit being shoved into them. They're constantly having roadblocks to go around. And, you know, nothing has come easy in this show thus far that like at the end, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of rewarding. And even though it is ridiculous, you're kind of, but you're, you're like, no, they deserve that. Like, you've come to love these characters and you're just like, yes, I'm happy to see you guys get some sort of success and not constantly just be trudging through the day to just simply do it again tomorrow. Like, yes, and and to see the characters kind of come to an understanding with each other. Like, I really like the the whole, um, because she says, uh, in the earlier part of the episode when Marcus and Sydney go together, she says, he says, did he text you or anything? He said, no, not even a text or no. 
something about a text message or she she would at least mm-hmm. like a text and then he texts her and says mm-hmm. hey you know i'm really sorry like this is what you could do to improve the risotto like you know you can come and pick up your final paycheck on this day like i understand and then that's a very like a moment of carmy like letting go and being like mm-hmm. if you want to leave you can leave i realize it's partially my fault you know i need to yeah. to to take some ownership of this and show that I respected you and show that I did actually care about your risotto. And it's just a a very simple, but beautiful thing. And then she comes back and she just happens to be there when they're finding the money and they make up and, and, and Marcus comes back and, and, and Carmi apologizes to him and, and everybody kind of in that moment, there's that release of stress because they're like, we finally have something good happening and all the stress that was on them was partially what was exacerbating their problems. And they're able to step back and look at each other and go, no, I really love this person. Like, I'm really happy to be here and I'm happy that we just saved the restaurant. You know, like it's this very, and then they have the dinner together and, and it's like, damn. And then he has the kind of like vision of his brother and you're just like, oh, I'm so happy for them. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and and it's funny because it's like this show, really, when I went into it, I was like, this shouldn't, when I finished the show, I was like, this shouldn't have affected me so much. Like, how yeah. was it that it snuck into my brain and made me, especially during that, the, the, the monologue and then the end of the show, I was like, this is, this is like touching a part of my soul. And I was yeah. like so overwhelmed. And and then afterwards, I was like, this might be the, one of the greatest TV seasons of TV I've ever seen. Like it's up sure. there. It's up there. Yeah, no, it's up, like definitely one of the best first seasons of a show. It's up there with True Detective and Fargo. Westworld like, season one. Yeah, it's up there with that. Like, you know, it's so, so, so good. And like, you know, I was just thinking like if they if this wasn't a series and they just, somebody made episode seven as like a short film, as a 20 minute short film, that would be winning so many fucking awards. Oh like, yeah. But oh it's, yeah. But now it's just this episode that's just like a sort of, you know, just a part of this like much bigger thing. And it's like, holy shit. Cause like, yeah, no, like, cause that ep- like that episode if somebody had conceived that before and was like oh i'm just going to make this an ep- this is you know some part it's like why would you not just do that as a single thing it's like it stands alone on itself like if you know we if we can't convince you already to watch this series which you should you should watch this there's no reason not to it's super quick it's 4 hours in total but if you know if even that is too long for you if you have 17 minutes go watch episode seven of this series okay and you'll get everything that you want out of that 17 minutes it has everything that this show has and if you like what you see in that 17 minutes watch the whole fucking series like it is just like i I can't say it again like i'm just being redundant at this point it is beautiful yeah it's It's it's, such a well-written well-acted 
just the cinematography is amazing you know the direction's amazing like because like the choreography in that episode seven like in a tight kitchen to be moving a camera actors getting your fucking boom mic guys getting all that's that takes fucking talent and skill to uh, you know a lot of practice to do that and you know you, you love seeing something that ambitious being pulled off and so I'm just, I, yeah, like I cannot praise this show enough. And I feel like you just should watch it. And especially if you like stuff that, you know, isn't, you know, going to be hand fed to you, you know, you get rewarded for paying attention to it. You get rewarded for involving yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And, well, I did want to say that that uh, just so you know, because you were talking about Christopher Storer getting, um, you know, nominations for mm-hmm. um, for review. Uh, he does. He has been nominated in the Directors Guild of America Awards for yeah. Outstanding Directional Achievement in Comedy Series for that episode. Uh, that episode has also been nominated for um, sound mixing, uh, sound editing. Um, and, uh, I think one or two other things here, let me just scratch. It doesn't matter. It's been nominated. People know how sick it is. Uh, so it's not just us guys. It's not just us saying this, that it is one of the, 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 I totally agree. It is a show that is worth watching. It is a show that is, it is brisk. It moves along. You can watch three episodes or four episodes, uh, a night, break it into two parts. It's like watching two movies and it uh and it moves well you laugh you cry you marvel at the at the cinematography and mm-hmm. the writing and the mm-hmm. and then we didn't even mention the episode where they go to the um uh, uh the, the their their uncle who is played by oh, Oliver yeah. Platt is a mafia member and uh, to yeah. pay off some of their debts they have to go to um his name's Cicero. Do a kid's birthday, birthday party. party. They have to barbecue hot dogs for kids, and it's hilarious. Yeah, I, I don't want to give away what happens, but they make yeah, some yeah. homemade yeah. ecto cooler, um, and uh, uh, some crazy things happen. Uh, but yeah. uh, it works hilarious. out in the end. But it's it's mm-hmm. really uh, that's a really good episode because you have them. Oh, yeah. you, they kind of split up, and um, and uh, Richie and Carmi go one way, and you have Sydney that's the episode where she's bonding with Tina and all the people, you know, it's really, mm-hmm. that's a good, um, a, a really fun episode. So there, like I said, there are these mm-hmm. kind of comedic bombastic situations that happen and it's, there is silliness and over the topness, but the way they treat the characters, the writing, the care that they took with it is just outstanding and everybody does a good job. I don't think there's a yeah. single person in this show who, no. In, in any way shape or form is not like batting a hundred like everybody in this show uh yeah. especially the main cast like jeremy allen white evan moss yeah. backrack ao debris lionel boyce um lisa colin zayas who plays zayas I, I don't know she plays uh um uh the tina, tina. um and even even uh sugar uh carmy's sister just their interactions and everything. Like it's, it's near perfect. Like this is, is yeah. excellent television guys. Like, yeah. Casting was 
100%. Especially, like, in a show where it's an ensemble like this, you need excellent casting. And another thing absolutely fantastic is the music. The music in this oh, show yeah. is great. Like, you know, when it first shows Carmi in the kitchen as playing fucking Refused, and it's like, yes, this is the fucking song to get you amped up. Like, do 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 Fucking new noise. Like, hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. Get, shove that shit directly into my skull. And yeah. then, The soundtrack you know, is an alt-rock, is like, is like an alt-rock, alt-punk, like, yeah. smorgasbord. And it was, and then it was having by- Chicago by Sushian Season Stevens is that was just fantastic. Yeah. And like, you know, just uh, just a beautiful, I forget what episode it does that in, but that's just, you know, one of the more beautiful moments of the show. It's just, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, the music absolutely adds a layer, a necessary layer to the show. Um, Sorry, I cut you off. No, no, no. I was that's that's I agree. I was just gonna say um the the showrunner, uh um uh store, Christopher Store, he picked mm-hmm. the soundtrack. Um nice. so you know, it was handpicked by him. Anyway, I don't think we need to beat the dead horse anymore. This show bangs. Mm-hmm. Season two is coming in a couple months. I'm sure we'll do an episode on it uh somewhere down the line. You got plenty of time to watch it. It's available in Canada on Disney Plus in the star section. Um, mm-hmm. Or if you want to, you can uh, rent it on Apple TV or, you know, wherever you get your your stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's where you're going to find all the Hulu and FX stuff in Canada now um, since uh, uh, the um, Disney owns Fox. That's where they put it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, yeah, I recommend watching it. It's really good. Uh, Again, not going to beat the dead horse. We got a couple minutes left. At the end of last episode, we uh, talked about how we wanted to share some of our, you know, thoughts, uh, things we wanted to leave behind, things we were looking forward to, and uh, things that we were. What's the What's the third one? It's It's wings. Well, eggs, it and was pages. Yeah. So uh, wings were things that happened in 2022 that we thought were great and things, you know, things that we enjoyed about the year. Cages were things that, you know, we thought were like, you know, holding us back or, you know, sort of, you know, were a bit of a drag on us. And then our eggs, things that we did in 2022 that maybe, you know, we planted a literal seed. So, you know, something Mm. that we're hoping to see come to fruition in 2023 so all right well we can we can bang them off really quickly i mean i'm sure there'll be a lazy bird somewhere down the line where we talk a little bit more um Mm -hmm. did we decide what we're doing next uh no i have no idea i mean well i think we briefly talked about it it was action-packed should we lock that in is that what we're gonna do yeah it's like do do we want to do both or just one all right well look in one way or another, we're going to talk about the raid in the raid two. If you haven't yeah. seen the raid in the raid two, what's wrong with you? We're going, exactly. we're going crazy action. Whether it's one episode or two episodes, that's yet to be decided. But we are going to talk about those movies. And uh, if you like martial arts movies, if you like uh, uh, crime movies, if you like uh, just seeing people doing insane things and violent things uh, in tight spaces. (laughs) Definitely check out these movies um, because that's what we'll be doing next week. Now let's get to our wings, cages, and eggs. 
let's say wings first. What did you enjoy about 2022? What are some of the things that were, were your wings last year? Uh, so for me, the wings would be, um, going back to work, uh, getting a full-time job. Uh, that's, you know, a, a job that uh, it, it, it's okay, but it more or less allows me the time and uh, to do things that I do enjoy. And that was one of the reasons why I took the job was, you know, knowing that, uh, you know, I can take time off to work on other creative endeavors. Um, and then, you know, also getting to do something like working at a Comic-Con, that was pretty sick. That was not something I thought I would like. Uh, I was never into the idea of ever even going to like a Comic-Con type thing. But, uh, yeah, now that's going to be something that I'm doing more of this year. So I guess that's was a wing that has now kind of become an egg because now, you know, later this year, I now get to go to Montreal and, you know, spend a weekend in Montreal slinging some fucking records and movies and shit. So that's pretty tight. Uh, So yeah, so a wing became an egg. So that's pretty tight. Uh, What other wings were there? Uh, Snowblinded and Regicide, both... uh, premiering and people now starting to see that uh they're still going around to uh, film festivals so you know not everyone that we hope to see it has seen it yet but uh you know uh snow blinded specifically uh it seems like that movie has an audience and you know they're weirdos they're fucking a very specific breed of uh late night freaks but uh, <laughs> we're going to find them. We're going to yeah. find them. We've and rung we the find bell. Them, we've rung them. Yeah. <laughs> we've put the call out and yeah. we're getting, albeit not a huge amount, we are getting responses. And it seems like the responses, we're getting more and more of them. Um, attached to that, I won an award uh, for the music in Snowblinded. So that was, albeit, you know, it was only like, it was like a personal bloggers award, but still. You know, they're in, they were like in like Sweden. So the fact that some girl in Sweden watched our movie and specifically thought the music was super tight and, you know, thought it was worth making a YouTube video about it for a couple thousand views, like that's pretty sick. That's, you know, there's, you know, a, there's a YouTube video about it. Well, she did like a YouTube. Oh, award the YouTube, show. yeah, yeah, the award show. So, okay. I, so I was like, oh, you know, full video. An, I watch it. <laughs> yeah, so you know, it is going out there. People are seeing it, and so that's definitely a wing. And then, lastly, I would just say, uh, putting out cavernous. That was fun. Uh, that was a something that I was working on for months and months, and getting to do the music and put out the short stories and make the music video and, you know, do all of those things all 100% myself and say that I can put an album out, a multimedia experience of some kind out, you know, it's not like the most in-depth, you know, thing. It's not like I made like a fucking AI video game to my music. I mean, that's that's the goal. That's shit I want to do is create immersive experiences like that, uh, you know, and find out 
find new ways for, you know, to make music better, uh, to make it, you know, something that you can think about longer than the three minutes that the song's on for. Like, mm. you know, that that's the whole goal with the stuff that I'm trying to do now. And I feel like Cavernous for being a album and short stories and a music video that I all made on a laptop by myself in my own bedroom. That was pretty fucking sick and gave me a lot of confidence that I can do more sick shit in the future. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I would say those are my wings. Just got to be really creative this year and uh, it was fun. Yeah. I'd say for me, um, very similar. Um, put out on infinite repeat worked on improving my craft got to be a part of some cool uh projects like cavernous and beatrice and various other things um uh on infinite repeat to me still i mean uh i i wish more people would give it a listen uh but i i can't buy i refuse on principle to buy my way into uh into forcing my music on people i i just yeah. don't think that that's you know i know that that's the way the game is played now but if you can't see something for or if people can't see something for the hard work and the creativity and everything that's put into it and won't give it a chance i'm not going to force them to see an ad that they don't they don't care about already you know so if you're out there and you haven't listened to it, I would appreciate you giving it a couple streams. Um, but I'm very proud of it. It's something that was a very personal experience for me. Um, and it opened a lot of doors. I started working on the next EP, which uh, there should be a song out now that you can listen to called Driver's Seat on SoundCloud um, that I'm dropping after we're recording this. Uh, and... Um, uh, yeah, just doing that. And also for me traveling, um, even with all the kind of pratfalls and problems I ran into, uh, traveling to Maryland with, with Meg and her family, traveling up North with you guys, the us watching house. <laughs> yeah. That, that whole yeah, night that was, was a big moment. That oh, whole yeah. night was amazing. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, you know, like, and then of course portugal which um that whole experience has heavily influenced the uh the next dp um it kind of opened my eyes to a lot of stuff that uh how much i i was missing a lot of stuff uh and also just you know touching another continent for the first time in um ten, 10 years nine years something like that like it was just um yeah, there was a lot, a lot of amazing experiences there, being there with with friends and and floating in the ocean and all that stuff, and and waking up and seeing palm trees and you know just the good food and the good company and all the experience. Even getting COVID there, I mean, like all of it, the whole experience, um, you know, it 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 opened my mind to some stuff that I was missing. Also, as the year came to the end, traveling down to the United States to see Meg and her family um going to perry's birthday party uh small things like that where i kind of gave my lizard brain some things that i needed that i missed mm -hmm. um 
yeah, it's just been a year of of great creativity um, and also just kind of reconnecting to who I was before all of the pandemic uh, through travel or with friends. Um, it's it was such a uh, what a year. I mean, twenty twenty two was a f- was uh, like the past couple of years, years of up and ups and downs, but um, the highs were very high. And, uh, you know, putting out an album, doing it all myself, much like you working on your album, working on other people's albums. Oh, and the last thing I forgot to mention is my tutoring. Um, joining, getting a job, doing part-time tutoring online might not seem like something that you would put as your wing, but... Uh, it's opened my eyes to so much more of kind of humanity and the world and meeting all of these people, these amazing people from all over uh, who have uh, many of them have become my regulars who I see I've seen for weeks and weeks on end. I would call them friends even. Um, and uh, I just am so proud to see them grow. I'm so, so I feel so good um, seeing and learning and and touching other people's lives. And it's just, it's been amazing for me. So I, I can't, um, I couldn't leave it off the list. It just truly has affected me and made me a better person. Um, and I'm lucky that I get paid to do it. So that's, that's, uh, that, those are my wings, uh, cages, anything you want to leave behind in 2022? Um, Yes. Yeah. So, uh, bu- bu- bu. well, I guess one that one less less intense one. Let's start with that. Uh, uh, COVID. I'm uh, after having COVID and you know still sort of experiencing like now a month later still experiencing like you know fucking. I definitely got the long COVID because I was like still getting some chest pain. I was just insanely depressed for so long and like brain fog and all that shit. So, you know, just I I felt like I've had CTE for like the last month and a half and I'm just ready for that shit to go. So I am starting to feel a bit better. So but um, yeah, that sort of stuff that that sucked but like that that's that's that was sort of inevitable that's not that's not my fault but you know i'm just hoping if god forbid if i do get covid again hopefully you know it's i don't it doesn't linger and stuff whatever mm. um what else what else uh so in terms of that and like you know so this i guess I'm trying to figure out how the best way to say this is so as I mentioned in the right off the bat in the episode, you know, I've been kind of fucked up for the last sort of month or so. And a lot of that is from things like self-doubt, uh, you know, just sort of me being generally hard on myself for seemingly no reason. Um, you know, that that's just me and my own brain. And, you know, I just have to figure a way to you know stop that stop the cyclical behavior of constantly being like i'm fucking shit i suck i hate this shit this is so fucking stupid i'm ass and then you know 
stop validating my own terrible thoughts for so for example like this month we had a screening of snow blinded and uh after i was watching the screening and i was thinking like oh fuck you know i should have done this instead and so this this is a sign of progress actually is what this is this is actually a good thing is that i'm watching my work from a year year ago and being like oh fuck i can do this so much better that that's me like if i was given the chance to now do snowblinded again i could i would fucking nail it i would i know i now know how to how i could have you know got what i was i now know how i could have got what was in my head to go out and be the music you heard. I am now at the place where I could have comfortably done that. Whereas, you know, but that was a learning experience. And so I was having so much. Yeah, I was sort of like I was watching the movie and I was almost kind of hate watching it because I was like, fuck this. The sound it's too loud. It's too obnoxious. It's too abrasive, which were all things that, you know, a year ago were things that we were talking of like this is supposed to be in your face. It's supposed to be abrasive. It's, you know, so now with a little time, I was like, ah, fuck it. It sucks. I fucked up. I ruined Brian's movie. Fuck me. I'm never going to get the work on a score again. And then I did something really stupid and I decided to go and I was looking up reviews of Snowblinded on Letterboxd and literally in one of these reviews by some fucking german guy he was like yeah the score's too much and blah 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 and so i was just validating my own criticism and then i just caused myself to essentially tailspin into just a fucking depression that even deeper depression of what i was already in so my biggest cage and this has been probably the biggest cage of my entire life is of just constantly keep repeating self-destructive behavior and I need to leave that shit behind. So this is me formally stepping out of that cage because I'm sick of that shit. So once that's the thing, I've, I'm going to end this on a positive and just say, if you acknowledge self-destructive behavior in yourself and you know, it's dangerous, you, you got to stop it. And I know you can't, you can't stop it. Like it, it is a mental illness to do. It's that's literally the definition of insanity to repeat things, expecting a different outcome, but yet it's always the same. And you need to step back and you need to acknowledge what your insanity is. And you need to rationalize, you know, why that's wrong. So for me, it's being acknowledging that I do stuff that's self-destructive. I know what it is. It comes from a creative place of unfulfillment. And the thing is, if I just keep working on shit and just keep getting better and better and better, I'll just, you know, and that's even, you know, sort of the thing is that I have been doing that and I'm better than when, when I made snow blinded. So I can't judge myself, you know, sort of like, we always look back can, on the, can. We, we always look back on the stuff that you made before and you're critical of it and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's always a tinge of like, oh, now I could have done that better or whatever. But I think really what it is is, you know, uh, for both you and I, it's like getting out of our own way, you know, building mm-hmm. systems to allow us to step out of our own way sometimes. Because yeah. like you said, sometimes you can't control it, but you can mitigate it. 
mm-hmm. can manage it. And I think that yeah. part of it is finding healthy ways to do that. Like for me, a big help this past year has been, and the past few years has been going back to the gym. You know, I mm-hmm. also speak to a therapist. I do. I try to recognize when signs of things, when they're coming on now, is it perfect? No. Are there times where mm-hmm. I'm upstairs freaking the fuck out about something because my anxiety is going mm-hmm. crazy? Yes. But you know, progress is a slow process. Um, yeah. And your mental health isn't your choice. But it is your responsibility. Shout out Marcus Parks. Um, so you know you gotta. I, mm-hmm. I I appreciate the honesty in this. I feel very similar. That uh, you know, in twenty twenty three, there's going to be a lot of changes in my life, uh, changes in my home life, changes in my family, uh, and you know the future is a little uncertain. But I want to spend the, as much time before these big changes happen, really trying to solidify my systems to mitigate things happening because you know with me and my my things change is hard you know Mm. or leading up to change is hard it's full of anxiety it's full of worry uncertainty causes me great pain but you know at the end of the day like you said you just gotta keep going it's like that saying if you're going through hell keep going yeah so you know at the end of the day we can if we can you know, and, and thank goodness for this podcast too, because this has been one of our, uh, you know, success stories of the year. Thank you all for listening. You know, not to yes. get too heavy. Yes. You guys have, uh, this has been one of the better parts of the year too. The wings. I think we could both say that, you know, bird protocol oh, has been a major wing for us. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. Sorry. That, that, yeah. That was, that just goes on set. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, for sure. But, uh, you know, I think it's, you know, recognizing, as you said, being aware, and then getting out of your own way, building systems to allow yourself to get out of your own way. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and that's a, a constant thing. Your mental health, um, you can stabilize it. You can improve your systems to control it. But for a lot of people like you and I, it's going to be around forever. So it's figuring out how to make it manageable <laughs> and yeah. uh, and finding the, the ways to deal with it in a positive way. Um, so I think you and I are similar in that. Another cage I would like to leave behind is, um, you know, uh, my anxiety. You're never going to get rid of my anxiety, but, you know, especially around the holidays this year, this past months have been very hard for me. Um, And uh, I think I need to, one thing I need to do is I need to make more time for myself to enjoy myself and to take in the enjoyable parts of life. I spend a lot of my time driving around, doing things for other people, my family, whatever. And I have four different jobs, you know? So it's like, I need to start setting boundaries and putting space for myself to enjoy my life, my youth while I'm young, enjoy things that I like and, you know, um, try to fix my sleep schedule. (laughs) Um, But yeah, those are pretty much the cages for me. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. letting I as always at the end of the year, you want to shed the self doubt, you want to shed the worry, you want to shed the stress, or at least you want to shed your perception of how to deal with it, and you want to kind of renew yourself. So I agree with all of those. Um, mm-hmm. I think the eggs for this year are kind of self evident. Continued yep. creative growth, continued yep. growth in Bird Protocol. I can't wait to sh- release all of the songs on this EP that I worked on kind of let go of the personal and started embracing kind of fun, different 
more dancey, more R&B, more weird songwriting. And I just want to keep making music and keep working on projects, keep connecting with artists, keep making the podcast and, um, and, you know, uh, and just continuing to work at it. Cause sometimes I feel like people expect they're going to go viral overnight or they're going to get famous right away. Uh, mm-hmm. and unfortunately that doesn't happen to like 99% of people and hard work is what's going to put us in a place that's above the rest. We, we grow yeah. like we grew last year, this year, the next year we keep doing the same thing and who knows two or three years from now, we might be doing another one of these and be living off of, uh, off of our creative endeavors comfortably. You yeah. know, you don't know, but you got to work. You got to put the work in, you got to put the yeah. time in. Um, so I think those are the eggs. I don't know if you have any other eggs. Uh, uh, get another, someone hire him to make your, your soundtrack. Like if you're listening to this, you're an indie filmmaker, hit up Otis Morris. He's got the brain. He's got the genius brain. He can do it. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Eggs, very similar. Yeah. This is this podcast. Just want to keep doing it. Keep growing it. Hopefully this year we can get back to doing in person, do some, maybe hopefully, hopefully add a video video component maybe that'd be sick. Uh, that'd be sick. A youtube channel going that'd be sick uh we definitely have the skill and equipment for the most part to make that happen uh we just yep. got to put our brains together put our time and effort into it and yeah no very much keep growing the show uh other eggs yeah um new album are still got the ep b-sides coming out got a, a very well we're working on a second album already a full length like i've already got more than enough songs for a new full length but you know it's just you know i got a vision and i gotta perfect the vision um and then just i'm just want to keep writing as much as possible whether it's a comedy you know whether it's sketch uh comedy sketches you know or just short stories or you know horror shorts horror movies um yeah i just want to keep writing just keep just trying to just feel as creative as possible because when i stop sort of you know doing that sort of stuff you know i kind of that's when i get down on myself and you know i just need to be actively working towards something and you know and my biggest uh egg you know is obviously you know just work on myself not be self-destructive and not be a must be nice type person you know i don't want to be the person that says oh must be nice for that person to get to do that no i'm if somebody's doing something you know, that I'm going to, I'm going to find a way that I can get to do that too. You know, it's not must be nice to do that. It's like, no, I'm going to figure out how I can get to do that. And then, you know what, it's going to be fucking nice when I'm doing that. So. Yeah. And another thing yeah. I think to practice is, is stop trying to compare ourselves mm-hmm. to other people. Like you look at someone and say, must yeah. be nice. You're comparing yourself to them. Mm-hmm. Instead, just be happy for their, their wins. And, yeah. and, and, be proud of your own. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The wins are infinite. There yeah. is an infinite amount of wins to be had. And, you know, it's just a matter of going and creating your own wins, making it happen. So 
that's the thing. It's like I can't sit here looking at people just talking shit. It's a toxic trait, and you know I do I do so much toxic shit all the time. So I just need to keep that to a minimum, and you know, just focus on the shit I'm doing. Because if I'm confident and happy with the shit I'm doing, and hopefully that will radiate, and hopefully people will also be like, "Yo, you're doing sick shit. Let's all make sick shit." Yeah. That's all I'm trying to cultivate is just a group changing, of people that just want to make sick shit. Changing yeah. perspective. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're you're feeling it. I mean, we've already talked about this via text and, yeah. you know, talked it out. So, But, you know, it's good to speak it out into the universe. and mm-hmm. Creating your own win, that's what I call initiating the protocol. So absolutely. We'll end it on that. Um, sorry to end on such a maybe a, a personal, emotional note, but we're okay. Things are good. Things are getting yeah. better. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, and we have high hopes for 2023. We'll be back next week with The Raid uh, or The Raid and The Raid 2. Uh, fantastic films. If you like action movies, you haven't seen them, you are crazy. Uh, you should watch it. It's uh, they are they are excellent, excellent, like absolutely <laughs> bangers. Uh, and if you haven't watched The Bear, watch The Bear. Uh, gets our seal of of one of the best first seasons of TV we've seen. It's up there mm-hmm. with True Detective and Fargo and, you know, all those good ones. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. Check out Driver's Seat, which should be out um, by the time this drops. Uh, should be out. Um, and if it's not, it'll be, like, shortly after. I mean, I should be dropping it now. And check mm-hmm. out um, Never Loved. To check out Cavernous. Check out On Infinite Repeat. Check out all of those things. Uh, don't forget to give us a uh, rating. Subscribe to us. Uh, and yep. if you know anybody who might like listening, send one of our episodes their way. You never know who might enjoy listening to us bird boys rant and rave about all things great and small uh, from mm-hmm. our mental health to... Um, Jeremy Allen White having a screaming match with a, what's what's her name? Anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see you next week. Always initiate the protocol. Peace out.